is All the Genders, the podcast where we talk about gender identity and queerness with marvelous people sharing their lived experience. If you're a trans or non-binary person or close to someone who is, if you're exploring your gender or you're an ally, or honestly, if you just pulled up the first thing you found and are using it to test your new AirPods, this podcast is for you because gender identity is everybody's business and I'm glad you're here. You can find other episodes on your favorite podcast source or online at allthegenders.com. I'm Quinn, she, her, or they, them. I'm non-binary and bi-gender. Today I'm female, other days I'm male, and I podcast in whatever gender comes up at the time. Let's dive in. Today's guest is Jupiter Parasa. She's the Director of Social Justice and Empowerment Initiatives at the San Francisco Transgender District. Yes, you heard that right. And she's doing some pretty remarkable things. Jupiter, hi. Hi, Quinn. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Of course. To start out, I wondered, can you give us some words and phrases that uh, say something about your identity, who you are in the world? Yes. Um, something that I like to start off from, from the very beginning so people have an understanding of me and my activism and you know what I stand for. I am an undocumented trans Latina. I am a DACA recipient, um, meaning that I came to the United States when I was a child and I've grown up in this country um, in my diaspora of uh, being Mexican and being in this country growing up um, have really shaped uh, who I am and my activism, what I like to stand for, um, but also the issues that um, inspired me and that drive me and, you know, that have created uh, the way in which I have constructed and shaped my voice. So those are things that I always like to say, uh, just so people have an understanding of where I come from and where I gather, uh, you know, sources of inspiration and drive. Where in Mexico did you grow up or were you born? When did you come to the United States? What was your childhood like? I was born in this city in the state of Sonora, which is the hottest state in Mexico. And it's just right against uh, the border. It's right on the border of Arizona and, and um, uh, in Mexico. So it's Northern Mexico. I came to the United States when I was seven years old. Um, I, you know, it was a really confusing time, of course. Um, it was a culture shock. It took me some time to get used to, you know, this new place that I was in. I didn't know the language. I didn't know the area. Uh, and, you know, starting from zero in terms of, you know, being in school, developing new friendships, uh, learning the language, and also, you know, the culture. Um, something that, uh, you know, something that people fail to realize, or it's not that they don't, it's not that they fail to realize, but they don't notice how, how many cultural references are ingrained in American language. So catching up on that aspect was really, 
it, it, it made me grow and it made me learn so many new things, but it also really made me appreciate the way that I gather from different places to, you know, sort of, you know, mold myself. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in, um, I grew up in Southern California in this city called Paramount, which is right next uh, to Long Beach and Lakewood and Cerritos. Uh, it's, you know, right in the middle of LA County. Um, and I always like to say I was born in Mexico, but I grew up in Southern California because there, you know, there's definitely uh, a monumental difference uh, of how you grow up um, in, in, you know, in a different surrounding and environment. And so you had this big cultural transition did that interact in any way with sort of your gender transition? And when did that come into play yes. for you? Uh, that's a great question. You know, from the very beginning, uh, prior to moving to the U.S., I always, I always knew that there was something within me, that there was something special about me that I didn't really know. I, I didn't really know what it was. I didn't really know how to describe it. Um, and... You know, moving to the U.S., into this new culture, into this new society, it only added many more layers to my journey towards uh, towards finding who I was um, as a trans individual. And it took some time. It took some time for me to not only find a way to digest uh, the different layers of moving to a new country, and, you know, that eventually led to me uh, finding myself and finding who I was. But to answer that question in, a sh in short form, you know, being an immigrant, it only added so much more to my mind and to what I needed to process and digest in order to find myself. So it was confusion on top of confusion. Um, you know, which, as I mentioned, took some time. But when I did, when I did come to a point in my life, when I realized that I was trans, it made, it made so much sense. Everything made sense. Um, and, you know, discovering myself in a society that in a way allowed me to have the words to describe what what was happening within me it, it was a very beautiful thing and even till this day I am finding ways to weave culture and language and diaspora with my transition and I will say it was a very unique journey what age did you start realizing kind of who you were as a woman or a girl yes I will say it did not happen until I started college. So when I graduated high school, I had this really ambitious goal of moving to San Francisco. Mind you, I had only been to San Francisco once um, prior to making the move to San Francisco. But there was always something about the city that I was drawn to. Um, I did accept the fact that it was a beautiful city. It was stunning. It had scenic views. It was rich in culture and history. But, you know, at the time, 
I asked myself, why is it that I am drawn to San Francisco? Is it because I will leave home and I will move to a different part of the state of California? And, you know, will the distance between me and my home provide me the space to articulate what I am feeling and what I am thinking? And at the very beginning, it was very, it was very difficult as any student uh, making the transition from home and what one regards as home to college. Um, Because not only are you making that monumental transition to adulthood, but you're also, for the first time in your life, um, you have the opportunity to make decisions as an adult. And moving to San Francisco was definitely that opportunity for me. In San Francisco, I discovered so many things. You know, as um, I went to San Francisco State State University, historically um, a very radical, very progressive um, university, not just in the state of California, but in the entire country. Um, and it was there that I began to immerse myself in ethnic studies and gender studies and international relations and you know comparative politics and that is where i found the jargon it is where i found a way to describe uh you know my transness and my trans identity and it also helped that in san francisco i met beautiful and incredible trans people that made me say to myself i relate to her I, you know, for some reason, I am her and she is me. And, you know, this happened in class when I met my first, you know, trans person. She was this brilliant trans woman that was just so vocal in my ethnic studies class. She was captivating. She was incredibly intelligent. And having someone that I related to, um, in an environment that was so uh, intellectually driven, it, it just, it, it planted the seed that eventually kept growing and growing and growing as I began to connect with more people in the trans community. Um, and eventually, as I began to create my own understandings of myself, I really discovered uh, who I was. And it was just so beautiful and it was so rewarding. And because of that experience, I will always, always have a profound connection to the city of San Francisco because it is, you know, as other trans uh, people will say, other trans people that have moved from other parts of the world to San Francisco. In San Francisco is where I was born. It is where Jupiter came to be. And that is why I love the city and I want the best for this city. That's just, that's just such a beautiful relationship between you and this place. One thing I wanted to ask you about, you were just mentioning your name is Jupiter. Can you tell me how you chose that name and what it means yes. to you? Um, I've always loved space. I've always loved the idea that we are so tiny, we are so unimportant 
in comparison to how grand the universe is. Um, and that is something that I considered growing up. Uh, it, it, it was very much of an existentialist approach to life and you know living. And it also applied to the questions that I asked myself regarding my values. What is important to me? What do I want to, what do I want to represent? What do I want my voice to echo? And I've always loved the planet Jupiter. And the reason why is because the planet Jupiter, it is, it is for one, absolutely beautiful and stunning. Uh, two, it is a gas giant. And within this gas giant, there are, there are storms. And I thought that was very, I thought that was a metaphor to represent uh, an individual. Um, you know, as people, we always have storms within us. We are always in a way, one way or another, coming to terms with whatever it is that's happening inside of us. From the choices that we have to make, from you know, who we want to be, from how we want to, you know, speak up on certain things, um, how we define love, um, you know, all of those questions, um, all of those struggles and, and, and turmoil that happen inside is what I wanted to represent. Uh, because, you know, when I, when I chose the name Jupiter, I was taken into consideration what was happening within me. I was trying to figure out so many things about my existence and my identity that Jupiter, it represented what I was trying to explain to people that I cared about. So in a way, uh, Jupiter became a metaphor for how I express my transness to my parents, to my friends, uh, to my, you know, colleagues. Um, and it really it carried on. And I would always used to say, you know, there is someone within me that has always been within me. Um, and it is the best version of myself. And when I made the decision to transition, I said to myself, you know what, as I am making this decision, and now that I've made this decision to transition, I am going to be the best version of myself. And the best version of myself is Jupiter. So from now until ever, I am Jupiter and you are going to call me Jupiter. Um, and you know, I would also like to give a shout out. Uh, one of my favorite film of all time is Interstellar by Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. It's this beautiful film that came out in 2014. And I cannot stress how much that film has meant to me and continues to mean so much to me because it talks about love, especially love between a parent and their child um, in time and also the existential threat to humanity. But yet it is so poetic and so beautiful and, 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 and visually stunning. And I, you know, I, I always think of that film every time that I imagine what is capable and what we can do in 
you know, what is possible. So yes, that is how Jupiter came about. That's maybe my favorite reason for a name that I've ever heard. That's Thank amazing. Thank you. I should write a book. <laughs> you should write a book and I'll read yes. it. Um, and I'll mention it on, oh, well, <laughs> anyway, if you ever do, let me know. Yes. So you've been involved in the transgender district in San Francisco, which just seems like a miraculous thing to me. Can you tell me how you got involved in that effort and what it means to yeah. you? Yeah. So I had heard of the transgender district from the very beginning. When I moved to San Francisco in 2015, I began to connect with people in San Francisco that were working to make the city, you know, better. And I remember hearing about the transgender district through one of the co-founders, um, Honey Mahogany. And just to provide some context, I started working in this community civic space in the Mission District called Manny's. In this space, uh, we would hold nightly programming on politics and civics. And I used to be the events manager there. And the reason why I decided to embark on that journey to work in this space is because, as I mentioned um, at the beginning during my introduction, I am a DACA recipient. And the DACA program came under threat with the Trump administration. Um, and the Trump administration actually revoked DACA. So there was a period of my life for about a year where I was really trying to find purpose. I was really trying to find a voice because I felt so frustrated. I felt so disappointed, so upset, and so sad that I had created this life in this country. Um, mind you, it, it, it was not my decision to, to come to this country. But of course, I made lemonade out of lemons. And I, you know, I did what I what anybody else would do. I just dedicated myself to building a life in this, in this place. Um, so when this was happening, I was so lost. I, I couldn't really grasp what my future entailed without the DACA program because it's not so it was so frightening. And I remember when Trump took it away, I could not get out of bed for, for a week because I was truly terrified. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant for my existence. Um, you know, and the thing is that immigrants are the backbone of this country. And, you know, yes. my, my experience with DACA does not compare to what other immigrants have given up to provide for their families and create a new life in this country. But yet I still felt afraid as, as a young person, as someone that was struggling, you know, with, with gender identity issues. Um, and I remember that there was a period of, for a year, I would like pray and I would say, please, I, I need purpose. I, I need a chance. I need an opportunity to apply myself into something and develop my voice and take a stance. And this one day I met this one person that just randomly came up to me and they were like, Hey, I am starting this um, coffee shop in the mission district, but it also has um, a political uh, vision. We are going to host nightly programming on politics that are going to revolve up, you know, on everything that's happening in the world right now. 
Um, and that hooked me, it grabbed me. And I started working at this space. Um, it's called Manny's in the mission, in case anybody that's listening, in, in case you ever want to go to Manny's to learn about what it means to be a, a well-informed citizen, please check it out. But at Manny's, I really found my outlet. I really found my voice. And I remember um, coming to my boss, who I worked uh, very closely with, with ideas about, hey, we should be talking about um, immigration reform, or hey, we should be talking about uh, criminal justice and impeachment and this, this, and that. And working there, it really gave me the skills. It, it gave me qualities that I could apply into, you know, the real world. And at this place, I launched the National Phone Bank to help elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, I went to Georgia to, to canvas and door knock to make sure that we elected Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff to, to the U.S. Senate. I was really serious about doing my part to make this country better for marginalized people, uh, for communities that were often neglected um, and overlooked. And, you know, I did that. I, I really gained incredible knowledge. And I remember working with Honey Mahogany once again, someone who I first heard about the transgender district from. Um, and I worked with Honey on the National Phone Bank. And, you know, months later, once the election was over and we had elected um, Ossoff and Warnock to the U.S. Senate, there came a point where I had to ask myself, okay, well, you know, I started this journey over two years ago to, you know, wanting to do something and wanting to change myself and learn as much as I could. And I did that. And I feel like I've accomplished that. So I want to move to a different part of my advocacy. I want to move to another aspect of my life that I want to dedicate myself to. Um, and at the time, I had been talking to Honey Mahogany. And Honey Mahogany introduced me to Arya Saeed, who is also a co-founder of the Transgender District. And she is currently the president of the Transgender District. And after talking to Arya about, you know, my work and my aspirations and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to accomplish, uh, she offered me a position at the district. And Ever since I've been at the district, I, I've also been learning so much. I've also been growing so much, which is what I wanted from the very beginning. You know, I want to, I want to become better. I want to gain as much knowledge as possible, not just for myself only, but, you know, for the people that I represent and for the communities that I wish um, to, you know, uplift and empower. So that is my story as to how I got to the transgender district. And it sounds like advocacy literally is the thing that gets you up in the morning. Is it overstating it to say you've kind of built your life around advocacy? Um, I feel like advocacy is a way of interpreting what I, what I am feeling and what my hopes and aspirations are. You know, to put it bluntly, I am from a generation in which we clamor and we yearn to change the world. And by change the world, I mean truly 
transform structures and institutions and practices uh, that have become ingrained in our society that have been detrimental to some groups while upholding and uplifting um, others. And, you know, my advocacy is a way of channeling that, um, of truly bringing in this big vision that I have of wanting to do better, of wanting to change something for the good of people. Um, And I narrow it down to the advocacy that I do because it's, you know, it takes a village. And there are other people just like me that are doing work across the country to change this society for, for trans people. But of course, everybody comes from, you know, different backgrounds. Um, nobody, no community, no group is a monolith. We all have our different experiences. We, we, all, we all have a way of interpreting our experiences. And that is something that makes each, you know, each and every one of us unique, because, you know, we are going to look at an issue uh, different. And because of that difference, uh, it, it only makes us stronger, it only makes us closer. And I just think that is so special. And that is what I love about my advocacy that I am taking my experiences and the experiences of, of my family, and not just my family, but also the people that came before me, all those trans trailblazers that truly gave their life for trans people to be um, where we are today. Yes, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Yes, we are. And so the transgender district, as I understand it, works with all kinds of things like housing, security, heritage, culture, economic opportunity. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the work of the district in general and that you do there particularly? Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, so the transgender district is the world's first legally recognized transgender uh, district. There is nothing Mm -hmm. like it in the world. And the reason why the transgender district is so specially, especially here in San Francisco's at Tenderloin is because there's so much history. Just a few blocks away from where I am right now, it is where the Compton Cafeteria Riots of 1966 took place. Um, And the Compton Cafeteria Riots happened three years before Stonewall. And these riots, it was a pivotal moment in American history because uh, Black and Brown, trans and queer people came together against police violence. And it truly catalyzed a, a movement. And you know, it wouldn't have been possible without the trans people that resided in the Tenderloin, not just in the Tenderloin, but all over the you know, San Francisco Bay area. And now, cut to 55 years later, the transgender district uh, upholds that history and the people that came before us. And The Transgender District has seven mandates, which guides everything that we do. And they are uh, tenant protections, economics and workforce development, arts and culture, cultural heritage conservation, cultural competency, land use, 
in transgender safety and wellness. So all of those mandates, they guide everything that we do from our housing subsidy program that we have, which is called HOT, which stands for Housing Opportunities for Trans Tenants, to the Entrepreneur Accelerator Program that we have in which we uh, help transgender entrepreneurs who would like to start their own businesses to, you know, the public awareness campaign that we did back in March, in which we brought incredible transgender individuals that are working in different fields. We had a culinary artist, a business owner, um, a filmmaker, a musician. Um, I was also part of it, um, you know, and I consider myself an activist to also the work that we did back in August to designate August as Transgender History Month, you know, that can uh, constitute as cultural uh, heritage conservation. You know, these are the many ways in which we look at what we want to do. Like, how do we uphold our core values? How do we use that to what we would like to do to make San Francisco the Tenderloin a better place for our transgender community that has been here for, you know, the last century. So that is why I consider the transgender district to be so special because it is, it is truly one of a kind. And it gives us an opportunity to really create opportunities, not just for trans people in our community, but for everybody around us to understand and to grasp how powerful the trans community is. I hope you don't mind, but I'm hoping that it's not unique forever. I would love to see this model spread to other cities. With that said, though, it seems that the Tenderloin specifically has a unique history that's, it, it, it sounded like is endangered. Uh, is in danger of just kind of disappearing, of being eaten up by gentrification. Mm -hmm. And it seems like the transgender district provides sort of a bulwark against that in a way that I don't, I've never heard of that kind of approach being taken before. And I just love how creative and generative it is, how it adds to the community it doesn't just demand things of the community because as you said there's so much there's so much joy and power and creativity and potential and promise in trans people that in a lot of cases goes untapped mm-hmm. i'm just thrilled with the work that you all are doing there and i want to thank you for the work that you are doing thank you the Transgender History Month proclamation. That was your work, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was. It was something that I wrote up um, back in June. Just I. I was really thinking about you know how how to move forward, and I am always someone that has adored history because it's it's really provided us sort of like a blueprint on how to move forward. And I remember drafting the proclamation and bringing it to the president um, of the trans district, Arya Saeed. And I was like, hey, listen, you know, I have this idea. I just typed something up in the last, you know, 
30 minutes. Uh, can you look at it? If you find it good, uh, let me know and I can like take this to our connections and city government and see what we can do to, you know, make this happen. And she read it and she was like, I love it. Like make it happen. Like go out there and like get connected. And, you know, I, I did, I, I, I went to the board of supervisors. I like talked to some people that work for uh, some supervisors, but, you know, I also uh, tapped in with, Mayor Breed, and I tapped in with her LGBT um, advisor, and also the folks at um, the Office of Transgender Initiatives, which is the nation's first office dedicated for the trans community that serves as an advisory capacity to the mayor. And I pitched them this idea um, as to why it was so important, especially in San Francisco. And you know, it happened so quickly and it just, it just became a thing. And I was so happy and so proud. And it was just a pleasure to, to be able to do that and to see it come into fruition. But yeah, the transgender proclamation was, was an idea that popped into mind. That's such a beautiful thing. And it's so beautiful how the city is reaching out to and seeing transgender people in a way that I hope will be a pattern for other cities around the country. Yeah. And around the world. Yeah. You know, and as I'm telling you, I believe in San Francisco so much. If it starts anywhere, it starts in San Francisco, which is why it's so important that the transgender district exists here. Mm -hmm. Um, And also for something like the Transgender History Month proclamation to exist, because San Francisco, as we have proven, we are a leader for the entire nation. A lot of the things that have come out of San Francisco have truly changed this country. And that is also something that I consider when we're doing work here, that, you know, it is truly it is truly special and one of a kind and it also warms my heart and it fills me with hope to know that um, you know everything that happens here especially around trans issues can and will eventually catch on for the rest of the country and and that is always something that sort of contributes to me getting up every morning and you know living in San Francisco and feeling so blessed and so grateful to do the work that I do uh, with the community that I work for and that I work with, it truly is a very special opportunity. So before we run out of time, there's something else I wanted to ask you about. I mentioned earlier that in the photos I've seen of you, just I love your looks, your style, and I was really interested to hear what fashion means to you and sort of how it affects your life. Yeah, that's, I, that is an amazing question. I've always wanted to talk about how fashion influences my activism and my identity, of course. You know, I've always, I've always, for the longest time, I've always had an affair with fashion. And it became very prominent for me just a few years ago when I was really using clothing to decorate my body. I really believe that clothing, it really 
influences the way that we feel and the way that we perceive ourselves. And, you know, for the longest time, as I was trying to figure out who I was, I would always change my fashion. I would always go for different things and wear, you know, and up to wear, you know, uh, outrageous and avant-garde things. Um, I used to consider myself a club kid. I'm kind of a club kid now, but, you know, not as much. But back then, I really used fashion to sort of articulate my identity. And now I still use fashion because I think that fashion is really powerful. Fashion is something that we have in common with everybody, everybody, everybody uses clothing to be understood and perceived in a certain way. And now I also use fashion to be a part of my activism because something that we're doing at the transgender district as well is that we want to rewrite the narrative on trans people. And we also want trans people to feel empowered by the people in our community. And, you know, now we are in a new pinnacle of transgender visibility. And I just think it's so important to capture the essence of who you are as you are doing the work that you do. And for me, that is something that is very important. I use fashion as an ode to who I am and where I come from but also as a way to empower others and also empower myself. Because when I feel good, I know that I am unleashing my potential. And, you know, I, I just think that it is, a, it is a very poetic way of interpreting our experiences and what we hope for people to take away from that. So fashion, I will always love it. It's just so special. And I also have the opportunity to work with other people, especially here in the trans district that are incredibly fashionable. And we always talk about like, oh, like, oh, this is amazing, you know. So yeah, I think, you know, my body is a canvas and fashion, it's like my paintbrush and it is my my colors and, and, and my paint. And that is, that is how I like to explain it. It's a, it's an essence, it's a feeling, but it's also a moment that you wish to capture in whatever it is that you're doing. I'm putting you on this spot here, but can you think of a look that you used at some point that had a special meaning for you for that specific purpose that you used it for? Yeah. You know, I always, my my signature thing, I always like to show my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is because growing up, me and my father used to watch um, a lot of films from the uh, golden age of Mexican cinema. And a lot of the starlets, they would wear beautiful embroidered dresses that would always show their uh, decolletage and their shoulders. And I say that my fashion inspiration now, as I am growing into a young woman, is I, I want to replicate the elegance and the grace of a lot of the Mexican starlets that I saw in these films. For example, Maria Felix, who is probably my favorite uh, Mexican um, actress, she was born in my home state of Sonora. 
So I always relate to her and I find her beauty and how honest and how radical she was uh, because she was so outspoken for a woman um, in Mexico in her time. You know, this was the 50s and the 60s. And she was always brutally honest about, you know, standing her ground and having a voice and being independent and not letting anyone trample over her. And I, I, you know, I relate to that so much. And it's also a way for me to connect to my roots, to where I am from. And it's, it's always an ode that I am um, paying every day. Just, you know, just right now on this call, I'm wearing this like beautiful, you know, strapless, you know, you know, my, my golden hoops. And it's something that I use to connect and to ground me and to remind me that I must never forget who I am and where I come from and what I represent. That's so wonderful. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd be interested to share before we wrap up? Um, other than uh, if you want to check out the Transgender District, uh, go to our website, which is www.transgenderdistrictsf.com. Great. And I'll have some other links uh, on the episode page at allthegenders.com. There was a great Curve interview that you and Juniper did with Jasmine Sudakasa. I hope I'm saying her name right. And I imagine there's something I can link to for Manny's, some of the other things we've talked about. And I'll put all those on the page. Yes. Jupiter Perasa, thank you so much for joining me today. Such a joy to talk with you. Thank you so much, Quinn. Thank you for inviting me and for having me and for, for listening to, to what I have to say. I, I, I definitely have a lot of it. Oh, it was a delight. I am so happy you joined us, and I mean that. Our music is by the exceptionally groovy Don and Jen, and you can find us on the web at allthegenders.com and on Instagram at allthegenderspodcast.com.